Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. Seven deals with the true knowledge of Jesus. And so John 15, 26 says, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. And so what we see here is at the very uh, beginning, Jesus is promising the, the, the Helper uh, and the assistant of of. Of, of the spirit of truth and so one of the things that we do uh, receive as, a, as far as the Holy Spirit as, as Jesus is the center of our life um, we learn uh, through these other chapters that it, uh, the way that, that our Christian life functions is by the yielding of the, the work of the Holy Spirit and um, and that it needs to be the center of everything that we do. And so when we're under his influence, we're, our lives are testimonies to those around us. And that's why it says, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. And so the Holy Spirit is, is testifying that the Son of God, the, the Spirit uh, and the ministry of, of Jesus Christ, and he, he draws attention to that. And um, it's, it's our involvement as well as the ministry. Is, is we have to be careful. Any ministry that ignores uh, Jesus in its ministry is, uh, should be a, 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 an alarm that goes off. If it's bringing more attention to the person and, and not Jesus, um, it's, a, it's an issue. One of the things that he shared is an illustration that he gave for the, the students uh, that were going to Bible college. And he had multiple speakers each night. And the first speaker spoke on uh, uh, just things that you can do during teaching uh, using illustrations. Uh, anecdotes and stuff like that, main points. Somebody who's good at that is Greg Laurie. Uh, he always in, comes up with a, a story or something that, that uh, ties into it. That's, you know, that's his, his style of teaching. And so the students walked away that night trying to figure out where they can get powerful illustrations and stories as they get ready to prepare to teach. The next night they had a, a speaker who is very well spoken in Hebrew and Greek. Right? And so the next night, they decided they needed to start focusing on the lexicon. You know, what does this word mean? How do we, you know, I've met people that have spoke Hebrew, and their life, it doesn't matter. You know, their life doesn't add up. 
Um, you and they they use it to impress people, and it's sad because it's it's not real. Yeah, the the Hebrew that they're speaking is great, but when they when when you see their life, it doesn't line up with with scripture. And so the students decided, okay, we need to focus on the lexicon. And then they finally had a speaker that came in that simply just with great power of, of Jesus Christ and, and his enormity of love towards us, his devotion uh, to the Lord was evident to everyone in attendance. And so it wasn't centered on the, the person teaching. It was centered on Christ. And, and that's the fragrance that, that distinguished that teacher out of the three. And the students were trying to figure out, well, how do we have that? Um, we have to be very careful. I mean, I've, I've had, we've had, like I said, we've had people that are, are brilliant uh, teachers of the Word um, that, that can do great illustrations. Uh, and and uh, I, don't, I don't know if y'all know who Wes Bentley is. He's, he's from Far-Reaching Ministries. He just comes in, and when he shares, he shares the love of Christ, and he shares what's going on and, um, you know, through the ministry and, and, and it, everything that he does as he teaches and as he shares is pointing to Christ. And, and so Paul Clark, who does uh, music, um, part of the early Calvary Chapel, you know, when he comes in, you always know musicians that you love is the ones that just go, you know what, just turn that speaker just a touch to the left and I'm good. And they don't need nothing else. And then they're there to serve Christ. And they're loving on people and they're sowing into people and they're there to do worship. And it points to Jesus Christ and that's how Paul Clark was. Or Paul Clark is. He still, he still goes out and plays and... Um, you know, you just see it. Um, and so it should bear witness. It should bear witness to the testimony of Christ. And, and R.A. Torrey said this, no, no amount of listening of testimony of men regarding Jesus Christ and no amount of even studying what the Scripture says about Christ will ever lead anyone to the knowledge of Christ unless the Holy Spirit, the living Spirit of God, takes the message of man or the testimony of the written word and interprets it directly to our hearts. It's that problem that a lot of people have. They hear it here, but it never makes it here. That's the reality. It's not real to them. And, and, and so when we receive the true knowledge of Jesus Christ, one of the, the things that it says is that you're actually, you should be sharing it. You should be sharing it to others. That's one of the, the evidence that, that, you know, that we're, we're walking with the Lord is that we're excited about what Christ is doing in us. And we want people to know it. And, and that he should, be, he should be glorified in that. And we get excited over a lot of things. Think about it. I mean, you get excited. The football season's coming. I get excited because, you know, we're this weekend. College football. But I should have the same excitement uh, to share Christ. Same thing with your business. You know, you're, you're excited and ecstatic about what's happening. But the love of Christ should be shared as well. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5-9, through 9, it says, For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, 
and with virtue, with knowledge, and, and knowledge with self-control, and, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whoever lacks these qualities is, is so nearsighted that he's blind. Having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. I'm saying like the knowledge that a Christian has, there should be fear. And with that fear and the reverence of Jesus Christ, it should lead to the truth of Christ. That's the type of knowledge that we're supposed to be seeking. And what happens is a lot of times what we seek is just knowledge to have knowledge. Knowledge to, to, to argue points of theology. And yet, you don't have the heart knowledge or any of those other, those other things that are listed there. Self-control. Steadfastness. Godliness. Brotherly affection with love. Virtue. All with faith. And there should be growth. When we become a new creation in Christ, it's not, okay, well, that's good. And I'm going to stay right here until I go home to be with the Lord. You're His children. And there should be spiritual growth. But growth is not automatic. You have to apply yourself. I've said this before. You cannot, you cannot have a relationship with the Lord... If you don't spend time with the Lord. You can't have a relationship with your, your wife or your spouse, your husband, if you don't spend time with them. Same with your kids. They need that time together to love on them. Like that's how a relationship grows. Look, one of the hardest things, and, and Matt's talked about this before, is when Matt was struggling, he was, you know, everybody thinks Matt walks on water. He does not. Matt struggled with something when he was, what, 15? Went to a youth retreat. And it all came out. But he felt comfortable enough to come talk to me because of the relationship that we had. Now, the old Mike... Would have thrown stuff, punched stuff, hit stuff before Christ. And look, I'm not going to lie to you. I was disappointed. It broke my heart that he didn't feel comfortable talking to me at that time. But it, it, God got a hold of him at that youth retreat. And from that point on, you know, we haven't looked back. It's like he took, he took control of his faith for himself. Babe, can you see what they need? Took control of his faith himself. And so that's important because I, I believe, you know, we see kids that give their life to Christ at BBS. And, and then what happens is they become a, um, a teenager. And, and a lot of times what happens is they take that faith and it's not mom and dad's, it, it's theirs. And, and they, it's an ownership that they take of it. But it's a relationship. And, and so we are to grow, but it's not automatic. 
your relationship doesn't grow just because you you, you're in the same house together grows because you you spend time with each other I, i took Teresa to breakfast this morning for that purpose we've had a busy two weeks but i just wanted to spend time with her it's important and i try to do that with each of my kids when i get time it's hard i get it now i got grandkids and you know we're we're trying to make sure we we because we want those relationships those foundations to be strong look if they're not comfortable talking to mom and dad at least they can come talk to grandma or grandpa because they're going to get to that point when middle school starts and it's going to get tough. I don't know how many of my friends have kids that are going into middle school and they're so con- and these are Christian parents that are concerned like is the foundation going to hold? <laughs> right? And and it's because there's so much stuff that's out there. So for us is one of the things that we need to be looking at is those seven qualities as a Christian that I just read in that first in first Peter but none of those things can be done without the power of God. You can have all the knowledge you want, but without the power of God, it means nothing. You can try to, to live a virtuous life in your own flesh without the power of God. You'll do good for a little bit, but eventually your flesh is going to come out. Same thing with godliness. Lord knows we all want to be more godly, right? But our flesh wins the battle sometimes and we need to recognize that when it happens and 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 repent nobody said this was going to be easy it's tough sometimes but man it's so rewarding there's so much joy in it when when everything's functioning the way it's supposed to as you know, as believers, Hosea 4, 6 says that uh, my people are destroyed for, la- for lack of knowledge. Because they've rejected knowledge, I reject you from being a priest to me. And since you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. Sadly, this is where many Christians struggle, is there is a biblical uh, epidemic of illiteracy. They do not pick up their Bibles. They do not listen to their Bibles. But they don't apply what they listen to or what they read. It's like we, you can go through the motions of it, but if you don't actually try to apply what it is that you're supposed to do. Like I just gave you those things of, of having knowledge and and, and godliness and, and faith and, and virtue. But it's like I can't do any of that stuff if I don't apply it. It's just words on a paper. And this is what's sad. In 2019, there was a, a Lifeway research that was done, and it talked about the habits of church-going Christians and how much they read the Bible. 32%, 32% read it every day. 27 a few times a week. 12% once a week. 5% at least once a month. And this is the sad part. Over 20 million Bibles are sold in the United States alone every year. Still. Still. In every home, in American homes, over 92% of the homes have Bibles. And what is wrong with our country? 
92% of the homes have Bibles. The Gideons alone have passed out 2 billion Bibles. And the average Christian has 9 Bibles. The average. And yet only 32% read it once a day. That's the problem with the church today. This is probably one of the hardest chapters in this book because it is, it is blunt and to the point. And, and you can have access to all the Bibles you want, but if you don't actually utilize them by reading them and applying them, that's a struggle. And that's why he gave that story of the old Scottish woman who was receiving her notes. Her son was sending her notes for money, you know, every, every month. And she had no idea what they were. And she was living, barely making it. And yet one of her friends had, was wondering, why isn't the son not helping you with money? Why is he not trying to help get you so you have food to eat and heat for the house? And she goes, well, all he does is he sends these pictures. The pictures were notes that were supposed to be taken to the bank where she would have had unlimited funds. And that is us with the Word of God. You have the pictures. You're not using them. Spiritual poverty. And that's what exists in our church today. Let me tell you something. It is at an epidemic level. We have so many different things that are, are wrong within the church. I mean, what people believe, 50% of the people believe that Satan is just a symbol and not real. That's, these are church-going people. 15% don't believe in the resurrection. That was off the Barna survey. And this is the problem with modern Christianity. You know, if we, don't, if we don't actually try to apply what it is, they're just words on a paper. They require us to actually apply it. And yet some of us are, are bankrupt spiritually. And yet you have money spiritually because you have a word to God to live your life by. I love what he says that so many Christians believe in the God of history and the God of prophecy. We believe all great things he did in Wesley's days and Moody's days. We believe in great things he's going to do when he comes again. But how few of his people really believe that he is the God of today. He is a present living power in our hearts. Again, in Hosea 4, 6, it says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You know the verse very well. I think pastors probably say it at least twice a month. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. 
Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 24 and 25, it says, And the Lord commanded us to do all the statutes, to fear the Lord our God, for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. And it, it will be righteous for us if we are careful to do all that the commandment before the Lord our God has commanded us. In Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, it says, only be strong and very courageous. Be, very, uh, be careful to do all according to the law of Moses, my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart your, uh, from your mouth, but shall, uh, but shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. That's what people forget. It's like you can read it all day long. But it's like he's telling you, like, you're not, you're supposed to read it, meditate on it through the day and night. So that way, as you're living your life daily, you're actually applying the things that you learn, like loving your brother or your sister. And, 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 you know, and that's that sacrificial love. That's agape love. And love is not based on your emotions or your feelings. You don't need that to love. Your love is based upon, as a Christian, agape love, sacrificial love. Meaning that you need to be the first one to die to self. Are you going to be willing to do that? Or do you want to dig your heels in and go for it? He's telling you to do it according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your ways prosperous. And then you will have good success. If you've been feeling like you're going up against the stream, it's probably because you are. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands on the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaves do not wither, and all that he does he prospers. I mean, what else do y'all need? It's like what... Like, that's the second time he tells you, meditate on it day and night. Be in the Word of God. That's where you're going to prosper. And then John 15, verses 1 through 8 says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. This is Jesus speaking. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may be more fruit. Already you are clean because of the Word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me, and I in him. He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. And if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. 
By this, the Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove it to be my disciples. He's telling you, hey, look, you can pray. Come to me, pray, ask. But you need to be abiding in my word. It's the Holy Spirit that guides us to truth. That's the reason we're supposed to be in God's word. In John 16, 13, it says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. And then Isaiah 66, 2 says, All these things my hand has made, and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one whom I look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. We come to God's word in humility. We should be. A lot of us come to God's word thinking we know everything already. And, and, and it's practical living, actual application of the, of the word of God. That you live out in your marriage, you live out in your family, and you live in your community. And look, I've, I've known a lot of people that have great head knowledge. But that, like I said, that, that space between here and here, they're a bad testimony for Christ. They can sit and quote Scripture with the best of them. It's that journey to the heart that we need. I've told y'all before, I, don't, I do not want you sitting fat in here getting fat on the Word of God. I want you to know the Word of God, but it does me no good to teach it to you if you don't apply it. It does you no good to be in it and read it and not apply it. Because you're just going to be a bad testimony for Christ. And that's when people start asking the question, is that person saved? Does that person go to church? Right, you get that question. <laughs> they, they're acting, are they all right? I thought they were Christian. But the other part of it is, I mean, you can be fat on the word. The other thing I don't want you to be is spiritually anemic. I don't want you not feeding yourself with the word of God. Starving yourself. Because that happens too. You can't afford to just come in twice a week and be fed or once a week and be fed and think that's going to help you through the week. It's not. See, I love what it says. God is at home and, and, and a person that has a humble, contrite spirit because that person trembles at his word. Like you want to, you, you go, man, I, Lord, I, I know I can't, I, I, I read this and that's not me. I need to repent. Humility. And God blesses that every time. Every time. And that's where he loves to work. Is when that person has a contrite spirit. When that person is humble. When we're at, at, our, our, at our wits end. And you ain't got nobody else to turn to but God at that point. And He's the one that's going to pull you out of it. But it requires repentance. 
It requires humility to say, you know what, I, I, I had, I, I failed this week. A lot of people won't do that because their pride gets the best of them. Jesus gave us the blueprint of living the Christian life because he was always obedient to the Father. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, it says, Jesus, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. He humbled himself, he was obedient, he was a servant. You need a place to start tonight? That's it. Be a servant of God, be obedient to God, and humble yourself before God. Because that's what he did with the Father. And it says in Isaiah 53, 7, he, uh, he opened not his mouth. He never argued. He never said, you know what, I'm done. I'm getting off the cross. I'm, this is, I'm, I'm not doing this. True humility is the silence of the soul before God when a person ceases to argue or debate but rest in his word. I don't need to debate you. I don't need to argue with you. God has it. That takes humility. That's not telling you to let people walk all over you, but it's like there are some things that just are not worth the debate. People are ready to fight over everything. We can't argue and have these, these problems that are happening. And not only, sadly, what's happened is these problems of arguments have moved into the church. And they've gone from the pews to the people, to the businesses, to the community. And not only to the community, it goes on to social communities, on, on Facebook and Instagram. People start arguing over stuff. And it goes into the homes, the families, and the marriages. And humility, like, like Alan Redpath said, true humility is silence of the soul before God when a person ceases to argue or debate, but rest in God's word. Galatians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 says, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is important. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. You start arguing, and then you consume each other. And you're putting a stumbling block in front of your brother or your sister. And who's winning that? The devil. The devil's over there just laughing. Gotcha. Gotcha again. It's like a church. Uh, the church is like a, a boiling pot of crabs. Anybody who's boiled crabs before, when they're alive, we do this all the time in the South. Uh, as kids, the, the water temperature rises. The crabs start trying to climb out. And they're yanking each other down into the boiling water and dying. 
And that's what we're doing when we're biting at each other. That's what that verse means. The world is the water. And the devil's just turning up the fire just enough to get you to start going. Water starts boiling. Everybody's trying to climb out of the, the pot. And you're yanking each other down and killing each other. It's sad. It's the, the reality of it is, but that's, that's kind of where we're at. As a church, there's a, a, a lot of division. Not in this church, but I'm saying as a church overall in America, a lot of division. But that stuff filters into your house. It's not, it's not worth arguing over. Into the marriage, it's like, I can't fix not one problem with this federal government, but I can pray for it. I can humbly go before God with a contrite heart and pray for it. Because it tells me to do that in Scripture. So I'm actually taking the Scripture that I'm reading and I'm applying it in my life. That's, that's what the Word of God does when you meditate on it day and night. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 19 and 20 says, Have you been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you? In the sight of God that we have been speaking in Christ and all for your upbuilding, beloved. For I fear that perhaps when I come, I may find you not as I wish, and that you may find me not as you wish, that perhaps there may be quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. That's quite a list from the Apostle Paul to the church of Corinth. That's what was happening in the church. See, Jesus didn't represent any of that stuff. When we look at our lives as Christians, we are to be, there should be no selfishness in us, or greed, or pride, or arrogance. Like, that stuff should be gone. Why? Because when we allow those type of things in our lives, the quarreling, the jealousy, the anger, Hostility, the slander, the gossip, the conceit and disorder. Your light, the testimony of Christ, is not there. They see the flesh and then they go, that's the church. That's the people I know. Hypocrite. This is a tough chapter, I'm sorry. But it's the last one of the book. That's why, you know, if you ever wonder why you're going through so much the last few weeks... Because God is trying to do stuff in our lives. That's including me too. So living the Christian life, therefore, is not our responsibility as much as our response in his, to His ability. Make sure you get that. Living the Christian life is, is not our responsibility as much as it is the response of His ability. You can't live it without His ability. The Holy Spirit, this is what the whole purpose of the book is. The Holy Spirit is the one that enables us to live this life. You can't do it on your own. You'll grow weary. you get tired. 
And see, the church has gotten very good at at, at professionalism. Trying to make everything look shiny and, and new. And come up with, with well-crafted messages. or You see all these videos of worship where people are jumping around and singing. They look like full-blown concerts, right? And whose attention is that bringing it to? Not God. See, the Old Testament, when you look at the altar that, that, that God had fashioned, the stones that He had, had used... They were simple stones. But yet the church today, like I said, they want to they try to beautify like we need to do it better. The simplicity in God's Word is what we need. Simplicity in worship. Hey, we don't get it right. Hey, I'm be the first one to tell you I need to start praying myself. I mean, the other day I'd go up there to teach and my tablet just I had to try to figure it out on the fly to do it on my phone all of a sudden they're praying that whole time Lord please if not try to bring up as much memory as I can as I go to get into this but it's like that's why we prepare it's not on us it's the power of the Holy Spirit that helps us get through these things we have to remember it's 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 Christ that gets the attention, not us. First Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1-5, through five, it says, And when I came to the brothers, did not proclaim unto you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, this is Paul talking, for I decided to know, uh, know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in the weakness and the fear and much trembling. This is Paul talking. Like he's saying, look, I was weak, I had fear, I was trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words or wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of the power, so that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. It, it, he's the author and perfecter of our faith. It brings attention to God when we're living our life in Christ he seldom calls the the qualified but he always qualifies the called I I never had any intention of doing this and I'm sure you're probably thinking yeah you probably shouldn't be that's what the Lord I've never taught publicly ever it's the power of the Holy Spirit and I know sometimes, man, some of my words, I'm like, I wish I could have got that out better. But it's God that does the work. It's the Holy Spirit that does the work. It's not about our outwardly perfected look that we're trying to... It's about what's happening in here, in our hearts. And that we're living and submitting our lives to Jesus Christ. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it says, It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. We're going to have to stop there. I thought I was going to get through this, this thing in one shot, but we're not. Because I need to spend some time talking about the freedom of Christ. Because some of you are still in jail.
meaning that God has forgiven you of your sins and you're sitting in jail still. Like the door is open, you have freedom in Christ, you can leave and live for Christ, but you're like, nah, I'm going to sit right here, it's comfortable. How do you think you're going to grow? you got to get out of there, right? That's where you grow. All right. Nobody's called you to a life of perfection. You're going to fall. You're going to have moments where you go, man, I don't know where this comes from, but I, I messed up. And you know what? Jesus is right there with his hands just saying, come on, repent and get up. I got you. I love you. That love never stops. Ever. Just like his word is forever. That's why the word of God is so important. We're going to talk about that this weekend. It goes on. So next week we'll finish up the rest of the chapter. Because we've got to talk about the freedom in Christ. And I think that's the reason why I want to talk about that. Is because so many people are not living in happiness. They're not, they don't have the peace of Christ in them. They're hanging on to stuff that needs to be let go of. That God's already forgiven you of. And whether it's unforgiveness or past hurts or whatever it is, it's like God is trying to deal with that stuff. But you want to stay in jail and hang on to it. And it's like, and it makes a big difference in the way somebody lives their life in Christ when you find out you got freedom. And you know what? The way I look at it, I have freedom in Christ, which means I'm going to fail. Because the only way, how, how does a kid learn to walk? He falls, I mean, all the time. And you're children of God. Do you not think that you're going to falter? Just like that little child that's trying to walk. But the devil wants you staying right in that jail. That's where he likes to keep you. Even though the door is open. He wants you to hang on to stuff. It happens, and, and you have freedom in Christ. We'll talk about that next week, and it'll give us something to look forward to next week. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.